0: this crime culture part 2 of ted bundy who ted bundy who's that bed tundy <laughs> <laughs> i like flip flopping them tag your spoilers haley <laughs> um yeah we're go- we left off last time he escaped from jail in colorado and went to uh Chicago. Chicago. So, without further ado, let us get into it.
1: All so, right.
0: from Chicago, Ted traveled uh by train to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and there on January 2nd at a local tavern, he watched his alma mater UW defeat Michigan in the Rose Bowl. So, he's just having himself a grand old time breaking out of jail and uh just sitting around at taverns watching football games. Nobody recognizes him? I guess, like, the thing that that I had read um, about just the cases themselves, because he committed murders in, like, I think it was like five or six different states. But, um, like, different places didn't really talk to each other. So that's why it uh... took them so long to connect. Yeah. And because... Um, like the the Bundy case was one of the first that was labeled as like a serial killer. Prior to this, right. like people hadn't seen something as crazy as this before. Like no. the, he's like he's like the textbook serial killer. Right. So, I guess in Ann Arbor, Michigan, people don't know of somebody that escaped from jail in Colorado. So, bitches. I guess not. So Those five days after that, he <laughs> he stole a car and drove to Atlanta, where he boarded a bus and arrived in Tallahassee, Florida, on the morning of January eighth. He hey! rented a. V-
1: he went to Florida. No, we- he got on a bus and went to Florida, just like the Gainesville Ripper did. That's all. He did. Yes. He did. We talked about this a little bit, but I we was did. just like,
0: T <laughs> <we>, All right. <laughs> we talked about we talked about um, in the Gainesville the, episode. I know. I know. About I'm just the saying connection. I'm just
1: saying because it's a Thursday and throwback Thursday, I think that's still a thing. We have to check in with the youths.
0: Whatevs. All Um, right. I'll let you continue. (laughs) (laughs) So he rented a room under the alias Chris Hagen, which is his second alias that he's used. He used Officer Roseland in the um, uh, Carol DeRanche kidnapping. And then this is his second one, because prior to that, when he the Lake Sammamish uh kidnappings he just called himself ted he's oh. not really creative yeah he yeah. introduced him to sell he introduced himself as ted to like all these people you might have heard so, of me my name is ted yeah right so he's not really trying to be uh subtle at this point now he's chris hagan and um he stayed at a boarding house near florida state university And he later said that he initially resolved to find legitimate employment and refrain from further criminal activity, knowing that he could probably remain free and undetected in Florida indefinitely, as long as he didn't attract the attention of the police. Yeah, like, he... Originally, he was like, all right, I escaped from jail, I'm done, I'm going to work, and I'm going to be Chris Hagen now. But, um, his one job application at a construction site had to be abandoned when he was asked to produce identification because obviously he didn't have a social security card he didn't have an id he didn't have right a million things of identification so he reverted back to his old habits of shoplifting and stealing credit cards from women's wallets and uh, yeah so what a stand-up guy it didn't take a it took him like because we're gonna get into the um kai omega murders which happened on january 15th but right. he arrived in tallahassee on january 8th by january 15th this is when this rampage happens so he didn't really give himself no enough time <laughs> he, no. he put out one job application and was like
1: nah if only it was that easy today
0: yeah right <laughs> Well, my dad said when he went, he went cross country twice. When he went cross country, um, the first time he just went just to do it. The second time he helped people move. But the first time when he was just doing it with friends, um, they didn't really know how long they were going to be gone and stuff like that. And when they would get to a place that and they ran out of money, they would just like work there for a little bit and then like go to the next place. I was like, that wouldn't fucking happen today. You can't find employment in a place that you live in. No. I was gonna say. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. I was like, I don't understand that. But then again, that was like the 70s. So that was around this time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in the early hours of January 15th, 1978, again, one week after he originally arrived in Tallahassee, uh, Ted entered the FSU Chi Omega sorority house with, through the rear door, um, that had a faulty looking lock. And being about 2 45 a.m sorry beginning at about 2 45 a.m he bludgeoned margaret bowman who was 21 with a piece of oak firewood as she slept then strangled her with a nylon stocking he then entered the bedroom of 20 year old lisa levy and beat her unconscious strangled her tore one of her nipples
1: oh off. that's some ed gein shit i don't yeah. like that
0: bit deeply into her left buttock and felt sexually assaulted her yeah, he sexually oh. assaulted her with a hair mist bottle. <gasps> yeah. Um, in an adjoining bedroom, he attacked Kathy Clinner, breaking her jaw and deeply lacerating her shoulder. And Karen Chandler, who suffered a concussion, a broken jaw, loss of teeth, and a crushed finger. Oh, honey. Yeah. Um, Tallahassee detectives later determined that the four attacks took place. Um, in a total of less than 15 minutes. Holy within, shit! Yes, with an earshot of more than 30 witnesses who heard absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah. good. Four attacks in less than 15 minutes, killing, I believe he killed two of the, the four. Um, I'm just looking back now. Uh, yeah, he attacked Kathy Klinner. She survived. Um, Karen Chandler uh, suffered a concussion Margaret Bowman, uh, he killed her, and then Lisa Levy, he killed her.
1: It's like if the Tasmanian devil had, like, a penchant for murder.
0: Yeah, this was... He went into what I believe a last podcast on the left called Berserker Mode. Yes! In less than 15 minutes, killing two people and severely disabling two others. Right. Oh my god. yeah so he's so after it. leaving the sorority house ted broke into a basement apartment eight blocks away and attacked fsu student cheryl thomas dislocating her shoulder and fracturing her jaw and skull in five places <gasps> uh she yeah and this is really sad she was left with permanent deafness and equilibrium damage that ended her career as a dancer
1: oh honey yeah. oh and that's on- awful
0: on uh, Thomas's bed, police found a semen stain and a pantyhose mask containing two hairs, quote, similar to Ted Bundy's in class and characteristic.
1: What a coincidence.
0: Yeah, right? I wonder what it means. <laughs> um, this was a piece of Ted Bundy info that I hadn't heard before, but according to one of the sources that I read, on February 8th, which is my sister and my cousin's birthday. Hi, Gene! And cousin. Ted uh, Ted drove 150 miles east to Jacksonville in a stolen FSU van. In a parking lot, he approached 14-year-old Leslie Parmeter, uh, who was the daughter of Jacksonville Police Department's chief of detectives, identifying himself as Richard Burton Fire Department, which is another alias that uh, he apparently used. Um, But he retreated when the girl's older brother arrived and challenged him. So I I had actually never heard that one of him approaching that person before. No. It was in the info that I found. But that afternoon, he backtracked 60 miles toward Lake City... At Lake City Junior High School, he followed uh, the following morning, 12-year-old Kimberly Diane Leach was summoned to her homeroom by a teacher to retrieve a forgotten purse. She never returned to class. And seven weeks later, after an extensive search, her partially mummified remains were found in a pig farrowing shed near Suwannee River State Park, 35 miles northwest of Lake City. Oh my goodness. So I believe that's his youngest victim, 12 year 12 years old. Yeah, that's Which isn't which fucked. wasn't really his MO. It no. was usually like but, college women.
1: No, but he's becoming unhinged at this point. The fact that yeah. he was able to commit all those murders within like 15 minutes, like he's becoming increasingly like almost desperate.
0: Yeah, and it's probably not even for like a sexual release at this point. It's like he no. probably can't even feel the release at this point right he's going so insane right so um as it comes to a close on february 12th with an insufficient cash to pay his overdue rent and a growing suspicion that the police were closing in on him he stole a car and fled tallahassee driving westward across the florida panhandle and three days later around 1 a.m he was stopped by pensacola police officer david lee near the alabama state line after a wants and warrants check showed that his volkswagen beetle was stolen so he's always just stealing beetles he always has to have one it's his it's his brand it's his uh it's his personal like signature the the car from uh what's called ghost rider
1: oh i was gonna i (laughs) was i was gonna say you mean his herbie (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah exactly that's his herbie <laughs> um uh, and, when and he few was told people know that
1: <laughs> yeah. few people know that he actually named all of his cars herbie
0: i bet he did
1: <laughs> he loved that movie
0: <laughs> <laughs> when he was told that he was under arrest ted kicked uh officer lee's legs out from under him and took off running officer lee fired a warning shot followed by a second round and gave chase and tackled him the two struggled over officer lee's gun before he finally uh before ted was finally subdued and arrested in uh the stolen vehicle were three sets of ids belonging to female fsu students 21 stolen credit cards and a stolen television set uh there was also a pair of dark rim non-prescription glasses and a pair of plaid slacks later identified as the disguise worn by richard burton fire department in jacksonville as lee transported his suspect to jail unaware that he had just arrested one of the fbi's top 10 most wanted fugitives he heard ted bundy say i wish you had killed me oh wow (laughs) yeah that's great i mean honestly Um, you and me both kid yeah right (laughs) Because now you have to go through this whole trial.
1: I mean, um, at, at least there's some closure for the victims' families in that case with the trial. Some
0: of them, because as I as I will get to you to it, um, we might not have all the details. Oh, good. But. Um, Following a change of venue to Miami, Ted stood trial for the Chi Omega homicides and assaults in june nineteen seventy nine. The trial was covered by two hundred and fifty reporters from five continents and was the first to be televised nationally in the United States. Despite the presence of five court appointed attorneys, Ted again handled much of his own defense. Um from from the beginning he sabotaged the entire defense effort in spite of Uh, out of spite distrust and a grandiose delusion uh nelson later wrote ted was facing murder charges with a possible death sentence and all that mattered to him was that he was in charge oh which that's healthy yeah because that's his whole thing he has to be in charge of everyone all the time me too why not
1: i i just i have to have control
0: over everything All the time. But not to the Ted Bundy degree. No, no, no.
1: Well.
0: Yet. Yet, yeah. (laughs) The the switch could flip at any moment.
1: Yeah, I know. You better not fucking test me. It's fine. Everything's Um, fine. I'm hanging on by a thread.
0: So according to Mike Minerva, Tallahassee public defender and member of the defense team, a pre-trial plea bargain was Negotiated in which Ted would plead guilty to killing Levy, Bowman, and Leach in exchange for a firm 75-year prison sentence. Prosecutors were amiable to the deal and by one account uh, because prospects of losing the trial were very good. Ted, on the other hand, saw the plea deal uh, not only as a means of avoiding the death penalty, but also as a tactical move. He could enter his plea, then wait a few years for the evidence to disintegrate or become lost or for witnesses to die, move on or retract their testimonies. And once the case against him had deteriorated beyond repair, he could file a post-conviction motion to set aside the plea and secure an acquittal. At the last minute, however, Ted refused the deal. Um, Quote, it made him realized that he was going to have to stand up in front of the whole world and say that he was guilty he just couldn't do it end quote that was uh, wow, mike minerva um at trial crucial testimony came from Kyomega omega sorority members connie hastings who placed ted in the vicinity of the Kyomega omega house that evening and nita neary who saw him leaving the sorority house clutching the oak murder weapon Incriminating physical evidence included impressions of the bite wounds Ted had inflicted on Lisa Levy's left buttock, which forensic um, odontologists, someone who checks like forensic dental records, oh. um, Richard Servin and uh, Lowell Levine match the casings of Ted's teeth, which I think there are actual, I think there are pictures of Ted getting his, um, getting the casts of his teeth for this purpose and uh i think this was like the one thing that was like the the definite evidence like this is what really put him away wow yeah
1: that's crazy because like they didn't even have that at one point and now it, it like this is amazing like yeah yes it sucks and it's awful that he did these things but also what they were able to nail him on and everything and what they were able to use as proof like that's just that's fantastic
0: Yeah, because that was like definite evidence, like there was a bite wound on this woman, his teeth matched the bite wound. Like you could say that witnesses like, yeah, I saw this person, this place, but as I'll get to, he could change his look on like a whim. So like people could be misled in, in a certain way, but this was like definite evidence. So, the jury deliberated for less than seven hours before convicting him on July 24, 1979, of the, Bowen, of the Bowman and Levy murders, three counts of attempted first-degree murder for the assault on Clinner, Chandler, and Thomas, and two counts of burglary. Trial judge Edward Covert um, imposed a death sentence for the murder convictions. Six months later, a second trial took place in Orlando for the abduction and murder of Kimberly Leach. Ted was found guilty once again after less than eight hours of deliberation, due principally to the testimony of an eyewitness who saw him leading Leach from the school from the schoolyard to his stolen van. Important material evidence, including clothing fibers with an unusual manufacturing error found in the van and on Leach's body, which matched fibers from the jacket Ted was wearing when he was arrested. So that was what put him away for this kidnapping. Oh. And during the penalty phase of the trial, Ted took advantage of an obscure Florida law providing that a marriage declaration in court in the presence of a judge constituted a legal marriage. As he was questioning former Washington State DES worker Carol Ann Boone, who we spoke about in part one, um, she had moved to Mm -hmm. Florida to be near Ted and... God. had testified on his behalf during both trials and was again testifying on his behalf as a character witness, he asked her to marry him. She accepted, and Ted declared to the court that they were legally married. (laughs) I mean... Because that's how it works! (laughs) Wedding of the century. It was some weird like Florida law that he found, and he was like, all right... (laughs) Oh, he,
1: he was, that was real. Yeah, I that figured was serious. He, no, that no was serious. I figured he was serious, but that he was so out of his mind that it wasn't actually that they were legally married. No,
0: they were legally married. If you proposed to somebody and like they accepted in a court in front of a judge, then it, it was a legal marriage. Did she know? I mean, <laughs> she accepted. She said yes.
1: Yes, but I mean, it's one thing to be like, put on the spot
0: Well, she also moved to florida to be near him about
1: it yeah that's what i'm saying like she could have had an out yeah and not even like there's no out now you're
0: married to ted bundy no well it gets worse oh god i think i know how worse
1: this gets now that i think about it yes
0: on february 10th 1980 ted was sentenced for a third time to death by electrocution as the sentence was announced he reportedly stood and shouted tell the jury they were wrong And there's a great photo of him uh, screaming this, which will definitely be on the website because it's fucking hilarious. Um, This third death sentence would be the one that ultimately carried that would be carried out nearly nine years later. (coughs) And in October of 1982, Carol Ann Boone gave birth to a daughter and named Ted as the father.
1: Yep. I remember that because didn't Ann Rule also hide the daughter's identity?
0: Um, I think I think um, like she changed her name like Carol yeah. Boone changed her name and everything like that so like yeah um, she did couldn't really find her. I believe the daughter's name is Rose that's what I've seen but that could also be a pseudonym that people are just giving just yeah. like the uh, Stephanie Brooks because that's yeah. not her real name either
1: no um, I don't know her name but I do know that she ended up becoming a psychologist and lives in Washington really? State yeah wow I don't remember I, I found that out in one of the podcast groups that I'm in on Facebook, um, but I don't remember how. Like somebody did like not one of the people in the group, but like a journalist or somebody did like a deep dive, and I think it's fine to leave her down. alone. Yes, exactly. Well, and that's why Anne Rule changed her name and like didn't like hid her identity because imagine yeah, I going believe in, in, in your Stranger life. Beside
0: Me. Like lots of the names are changed. Yeah. Like, imagine, I believe, except um, for Ted's. Yeah, I believe <laughs> Elizabeth Clover's name is Meg Anders in that book, mm. uh, which is just one of the pseudonyms that, um, that she goes by in different right. Ted Bundy writings. But, um, so conjugal visits were actually not allowed at the Rainford Prison, but inmates were known to pool their money. Yeah, so inmates were known to pool their money in order to bribe guards to allow an inmate time alone with their female visitors. So that's how lovely baby Bundy came into the world. That's not gross. Nope, kind of weird. A little bit, uh, but it's not the not the daughter's fault. So no, not her fault. And you want to not know have something?
1: her? Yeah. Sounds like she she's should a not successful have her whereabouts, lady. Just
0: yeah.
1: It sounds what like else? it. Sounds like her parentage, all of it, it did not affect her. It sounds like she's healthy and well adjusted, and. As, like I that's mean,
0: good. let her move if, on. If
1: a creep such as myself doesn't really know who she is, then I think it's safe to say that she's successfully led a life of anonymity and like good exactly. For her because like I've read exactly so much Bundy shit
0: that I you if would, it was anywhere. Yeah. I'd probably know it.
1: You would know her, but we'd be recording on her steps at this point. <laughs>
0: Um, shortly after the conclusion of the Kimberly Leach trial and the beginning of the long appeals process that followed, Ted initiated a series of interviews with Stephen Mashad and Hugh Ainsworth, speaking mostly in the third person to avoid, quote-unquote, the stigma of confession. Oh, He Not began the for stigma. the first time to divulge details of his crimes and his thought processes, which is pretty much the information that we were giving in the first episode and e- and everything so far so he recounted his career as a thief confirming elizabeth cluffer's longtime suspicion that he had shoplifted virtually everything of substance that he owned quote the big payoff for me was actually possessing whatever i had stolen i really enjoyed having something that i that i had wanted for a really long time gone out and taken end quote that's healthy yeah right Uh, Possession proved to be an important motive for rape and murder as well. Sexual assault, he said, fulfilled his need to totally possess his victims. At first, he killed his victims as um, a matter of expendency to eliminate the possibility of being caught. But later, murder became part of the adventure. And he said, quote, the ultimate possession was, in fact, taking their life and then the physical possession of their remains, end quote good just a, just nice. a nice guy so wholesome yeah so he also confided in Special Agent William Hagmire of the FBI Behavioral Analysis Unit Hagmire was struck by the deep almost mythical satisfaction that Ted took in murder quote he said that after a while murder was not a murder is not just a crime of lust or violence it becomes possession. They are part of you. The victim becomes a part of you, and the two of you are forever one. And the grounds where you kill them or leave them become sacred to you, and you will always be drawn back to them. End quote. Ted told Hagmire that he considered himself to be an amateur and impulsive killer in his early years before moving into what he termed as his prime or predator phase at oh. about the time of Linda Ann Healy's murder in 1974. So he's gross. I, yeah, I just... But this this also implies that he began killing way before 1974, um, though he never explicitly admitted to doing so. Ooh, that's a really good point, though. Yeah, he gets real, like, cryptic about how many people he's actually killed, and he, he got real selective about who he would give the details, like, the, the actual murder details about, and some that he just wouldn't. Okay, so,
1: so, no offense, but I I think it's safe to say that he knew he was going to be going away for quite some time. So, why can't he just be like, I did this one, and I did that one, and I did this one, and this one, and this one, and that one, and the other one over there? Like,
0: well, he's most got people nothing would to say, hide. Yeah, but most people would say he wouldn't admit to the ones that he wasn't proud of.
1: That's because fucked. he was such a he was that's such a, like fucked. a
0: prideful person yeah
1: that's, that's 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 some some okay yeah so well, if if,
0: if right. he did something that he thought was like sloppy or something like that then he didn't want to talk about it because he Good. wanted to be perfect at what he was doing
1: you know i mean i wouldn't want to talk about it if i killed you know like anybody but i guess that's just me i guess that just makes me quirky and weird like i'm just like yeah, right.
0: that okay i'm just i'm quirky uh so this is great in july of 1984 uh rainford guards found two hacksaw blades that ted had hidden in his cell a steel bar in one of his cell windows had been sawed completely through at the top and the bottom and glued back into place with a homemade soap based adhesive several months later guards found an unauthorized mirror hidden in his cell and ted was Gotta again in a different cell
1: Gotta have a mirror.
0: He's constantly trying to break out. It's fucking crazy. Just fucking put this guy in a straitjacket. Nah, too easy. They apparently love a challenge. I guess. And uh, sometime after this period, uh, so sometime during this period, Ted was attacked by a group of his fellow death row inmates, though he denied having been assaulted. A number of inmates confessed to the crime characterizing, uh, characterized by one source as quote unquote gang rape. <gasps> oh, <Oof. laughs> Yikes. I'm, and these are I'm, all death row people. I was
1: going to say. I mean, they've got nothing else.
0: Exactly. To do. And. Uh, yeah, you're. Yikes. <laughs> yikes. Oof. But shortly thereafter, he was charged with a disciplinary infraction for unauthorized correspondence with another ho- high profile criminal, John Hinckley Jr. Who was oh, the man yeah. who tried to kill President Reagan in October? Um, yeah,
1: I I, <coughs> I remember hearing about this. I forgot about that.
0: He just needs a nice pen pal.
1: They just know. They just wanted to chat, you know, Have yeah, a little chit chat.
0: In October of 1984, Ted contacted Robert Keppel and offered to share his self-proclaimed expertise in serial killer psychology in the ongoing hunt for his. Se- pretty much successor in washington the green river killer oh. keppel and the green river task force detective dave Riker interviewed ted but gary ridgeway remained at large for a further 17 years so some people will say that ted bundy helped like figure out who the green river killer was it's not really true because i was gonna say who
1: said that ted bundy <laughs>
0: yeah right he just wants
1: credit for everything Actually, I was the one that found the Green River killer. I did it from my cell. Like, yeah, right? You know that mirror that I had? I actually used it to send light signals and I was able to
0: put a spotlight on the killer cuz I just knew. He's just such a genius that he just knows everything.
1: Someone go get but, me uh, my bug. <laughs>
0: Keppel uh, published a detailed documentation of the Green River interviews and later collaborated with Michaud on another examination of the interview material. In early 1986, an execution date was set for the Chi Omega convictions of March 4th. The Supreme Court issued a brief stay, but the execution was quickly rescheduled. In April, shortly after the new date of July 2nd was announced, Ted finally confessed to Hagmeier and Nelson what he believed was the full range of his crimes including details that he of what he did to some of his victims after their deaths he told them that he revisited taylor mountain issaquah and other secondary crime scenes often several times to lie with his victims and perform sexual acts with their decomposing bodies until putrefaction forced him to stop oh yeah he's fucking gross that's oh. oh yeah in some cases he drove hours uh each way and remained there the entire night. In Utah he applied makeup to Melissa Smith's lifeless face mm. and repeatedly washed Lori Laura Ames's hair. Mm. Uh, a quote from uh, Hagmire quote if you've got time they can be anything you want them to be. That's what he uh Ted had told him. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, he decapitated approximately 12 of his victims with a hacksaw and kept at least one group of severed heads, probably the four later found on Taylor Mountain, which were Rancourt, Parks, Ball, and Healy. Uh, He kept them in his apartment for a time before disposing of them. So, very uh, Kemper-esque. Just
1: just, hanging out with Skulls. Yeah, that's just... Like... Ugh, I'm so tired,
0: I know right? Like <laughs> well, less than fifteen hours fuck? before the scheduled July second execution, the Eleventh Circuit Court of Appeals stayed and stayed it indefinitely and remanded the Chi Omega case for review on multiple technicalities, including Ted's mental uh, competency to stand on trial and um instruction by the trial judge during the penalty phase requiring the judge to take a break, um, to break, sorry, to break a 6-6 tie between life imprisonment and the death penalty. And, um, those things were ultimately never resolved. So a new date of November 18th, 1986 was then set to carry out the leach sentence. The 11th Circuit Court issued a stay on November 17th. In mid-1988, the 11th Circuit ruled against Ted, and in December, the Supreme Court denied a motion to review the ruling. Within hours of the final denial, a firm execution date of January 24th, 1989 was announced. Ted's journey through the appeals court had been unusually rapid for a capital murder case. Quote, contrary to popular belief, the courts moved Ted as fast as they could. Even the prosecutors acknowledged that Ted's lawyers never employed delay tactics. Though people everywhere see that the apparent delay in execution of the archdemon Ted Bundy, it was actually on the fast track, end quote. So with all the appeal avenues exhausted and no further motivation to deny his crimes, Ted agreed to speak frankly with investigators. He confessed to Keppel that he had committed all eight of the Washington and Oregon homicides for which he was the prime suspect. He described three additional previously unknown victims in Washington and two in Oregon, which he later declined to identify if he ever knew their identities. He said that he left nice. a fifth corpse of Donna Mason's on Taylor Mountain, but incinerated her head in Elizabeth's fireplace. What? And Wait, yeah, did Elizabeth said, know? No. Yeah, well, he he said this quote: "Of all the things I did to Elizabeth, this is probably the one she's least likely to forgive me for." Poor Liz. Uh. Gross. That's a healthy yeah, marriage. He also he, no. This is uh this is Elizabeth who is his his uh, longtime girlfriend. Yeah, the isn't, one that uh.
1: Isn't no, th- Carol
0: Ann Boone was the one that he married.
1: Oh, I get it. He's now. all
0: over the place. Apparently. So he described in gory detail his abduction of Georgia and Hawkins from the brightly lit UW alley, how he lured her to his car, clubbed and handcuffed her, drove her to Issaquah and strangled her, spent the entire night with her body and revisited her corpse on three later occasions. He also admitted for the first time that he returned to the UW alley the morning after Hawkins' abduction and murder. There, in the very midst of the major crime scene investigation, he located and gathered Hawking's earrings and one of her shoes that he had left in the adjoining parking lot, and he left unnoticed. Quote, it was a feat so brazen that it astonishes police even to this day, Robert Keppel said. I just... So he went back to the scene of the crime when it was crawling with police... Because, like, this is what I don't
1: understand. He thinks he's this big mastermind. That's, like, murder 101 that you don't go
0: back. Like, I know, I know. He also just thought that nobody could see him. Like, he was genuinely surprised. No, he was genuinely surprised when witnesses came forward and say they saw him at different places. He thought he was, like, a literal phantom. He thinks he's John Um, Let's go into... So he confessed to detectives from Idaho, Utah, and Colorado that he had committed numerous additional homicides, including several that were unknown to the police. He explained that when he was in Utah, he could bring his victims back to his apartment, quote, where he could reenact scenarios depicted on the covers of detective magazines, end quote. A new Uh ulterior strategy quickly became apparent. He withheld many details, hoping to parlay the uh, incomplete information to yet another stay of execution. Quote, there were other buried remains in Colorado, he admitted, but refused to elaborate. The new strategy, immediately dubbed Ted's Bones for Time Scheme, served only to deepen the resolve of authorities to see that Ted was executed on schedule and yielded little new detailed information. In cases where he did give details, nothing was found. Colorado detective Matt Lindvall interrupted this, um, sorry, interpreted this uh, as a conflict between his desire to postpone his execution by divulging information and his need to remain in total possession, the only person who knew his victim's true resting places. So he wanted to give information, So that he wouldn't be executed, but he also didn't want to give them real information because he wanted to be the only one that knew stuff. Yeah, those seem like good priorities to have. He's a fucking idiot. (laughs) Um, When it became clear that no further stays would be forthcoming from the courts, Ted's supporters began lobbying for the only remaining option... Uh, And executive clemency, Diana Weiner, a young Florida attorney and Ted's last purported love interest, asked families of several Colorado and Utah victims to petition Florida Governor Bob Martinez for postponement to give Ted time to reveal more information. All of them refused. Quote, the families already believed that the victims were dead and that Ted had killed them, wrote Nelson. They didn't need his confession, end quote. Of course has made it clear that he would not agree to any further delays in the case. Quote, we are not going to have the system manipulated. He told reporters for him to be negotiating for his life over the bodies of victims is despicable. End quote. Carol Boone had championed Ted's innocence throughout all of his trials and felt deeply betrayed by his admission that he was in fact guilty. She moved back to Washington with her daughter and for, and refused to accept his phone call on the day that he was executed. Quote, she had hurt. Uh, she was hurt by his relationship with Diana Weiner. Nelson wrote, and devastated by his sudden wholesale confession in his last days. End quote. I don't know how she could think okay. that he was uh, innocent. Ever yeah, no, innocent.
1: No, no. Especially, it's like it. It. It reminds me almost of when you catch a little kid in the act with like their hand in the cookie mm-hmm. jar. And they still just, like, look at you like, no, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Yeah, exactly. Like, like when the there's evidence, crumbs on their mouth. Exactly. All the evidence is just laid out before her. And she's still going, he didn't do it. No. Yeah.
0: She just didn't want him. She didn't, didn't want
1: to admit that yeah, she knew that he did it. She didn't want to admit that she married a serial killer. Yeah. Willingly. So, having yeah, right been presented court. with that information prior. Yeah. At the trial for which yes. he was... Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, we're not going to say that she's not crazy. We all know she's crazy.
1: We're not um, going to say that she's crazy. We know she's crazy. No, we're not going
0: to say that she's not crazy.
1: Oh, okay. On, I, th- I thought you were like, we're not going to say that she's crazy. And then you were like, but she's crazy. She is. I was like,
0: yeah. Um Hagmeyer was present during Ted's final interviews with investigators. On the eve of his execution, he talked of suicide. Quote, he did did not want to give the state the satisfaction of watching him die, end quote. Ted Bundy died um, in the Rainford electric chair at 7.16 a.m. Eastern Time on January 24th, 1989. He was 42 years old. Hundreds of revelers, including 20 off-duty police officers by one count, sang, danced, and set off fireworks in a pasture across the street from the prison as the execution was carried out. They cheered loudly as the white hearse containing his corpse departed the prison, and his remains were cremated in Gainesville. Gainesville. And the ashes scattered at an undisclosed location in the Cascade Range of Washington State, in accordance with his will. His final meal was steak, eggs, hash browns and coffee
1: just a all american nice meal diner for meal. an all american guy
0: yeah so i do have information here on his mo and everything but like i can always just put that on the website because this is really long
1: i mean i'm enjoying myself but i don't know if other people are <laughs>
0: um oh this is an interesting one this fucking stupid idiot on the afternoon before he was executed, Ted granted an interview to James Dobson, who was a, a psychologist and founder of the Christian evangelical organization Focus on the Family. He used this opportunity to make new claims about violence in the media and the pornographic roots of his crimes. Quote, it happened in stages gradually. My experience with pornography that deals on a violent level with sexuality is once you become addicted to it, I would keep looking for more potent, more explicit, more graphic kinds of material until you reach a point where the pornography just goes so far, where you begin to wonder if maybe actually doing it would give that which is beyond just reading about it or looking at it. End quote. So he's a fucking idiot. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, violence knew in this. The media. <laughs> yeah, violence in the media. He said, particularly sexualized violence sent to boys. Um, <laughs> it would send boys quote down the road to being Ted Bundy's. End quote. He wanted to be like his own like classification. Oh, that's how like stuck up and stupid. I was going to F- say award. how narcissistic he is. Yeah. Right. Exactly. The FBI, um, he suggested, should take out, uh, should stake out adult movie houses and follow patrons as they leave. Uh, Quote, you're going to kill me, he said, and that will protect society from me. But out there, there are many, many more people who are addicted to pornography and you are doing nothing about that. End quote. So he's. (sighs) That was his like last like thing that he was just like oh maybe it was porn maybe perhaps so fucking stupid I, I, this yeah, dude so, sucks um
1: i'm sure yeah. i'm sure i'm probably the first person to say this but
0: this dude sucks <laughs> yeah we're uh just to like tally up his victim count ted confessed to 30 homicides but the true total remains unknown published estimates have run as high as 100 or more and ted occasionally made cryptic comments encouraging that speculation he told hugh ainsworth in 1980 that for every murder publicized there was there could be one that was not when fbi agents proposed the total tally of 36 ted responded add one digit to that and you'll have it (gasps) oh yeah jesus so years later he told attorney polly nelson that the common estimate of 35 was accurate but bob keppel wrote that quote ted and i both knew the total was much higher i don't think even he knew how many he killed or why he had killed them
1: oh i disagree i bet he knew
0: yeah um somebody that obsessive oh he
1: knew
0: yeah on the evening before his execution ted reviewed his victim tally with bill Hagmire on a state by state basis in washington he include um he had murdered 11 people including parks um abduction in oregon but killed in washington and including three unidentified people in utah he killed eight people three of them were unidentified in colorado three in florida three In Oregon, two, both of them unidentified. In Idaho, two, one of them unidentified. And in California, one, which was unidentified. And I will put on the website, um, there's a chronological summary of the 20 identified victims and the five survivors.
1: It's just really sad.
0: Yeah, it is crazy. And then there's a whole other list of like, Possible victims, um, Anne-Marie Burr, age 8. Flight attendants Lisa E. Wick and Lonnie Trumbull, both 20. Vacationing college friends Susan Davis and Elizabeth Perry, both 19. Rita Curran, 24-year-old elementary school teacher and part-time motel maid. Joyce Lee Page, 21. Rita Lorraine Jolly, 17. Vicki Lynn Haller, 24. Catherine Mary Devine, 14, Sandra Jean Weaver, 19, Carol L. Valzules. 20. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a list goes like on and on and on. Of just like people in those age-, age ranges. Right. Yeah. It's just insane. So like everyone thinks it's like around 30, his victim count, but it could be so much higher. No one even really knows um minutes before his execution hagmar asked ted about unsolved homicides in new jersey illinois vermont texas and miami ted provided directions later proven inaccurate to susan curtis's barrel site in utah but denied involvement in any of the open cases um so this is interesting actually ted's uh 1986 volkswagen beetle the original one was displayed in the lobby of the National Museum of Crime and Punishment in Washington, D.C. until that museum closed in 2015. It is presently on exhibit at the Alcatraz East Crime Museum in Pigeon <gasps> Forge, Tennessee. We gotta go. Which, I've been to Pigeon Forge. But you didn't go to the crime museum. Nothing makes me more angry. I know. Than the fact that I didn't go there. Because we talked about have- it and you got pissed. Yeah. Yeah. And they have, like, Gacy's, like, clown suit and everything. They have, like, mm-hmm. so much interesting stuff. And, like, in some of the, um, the true crime podcast groups I'm part of, like, people will right. go there and, like, they'll, like, give pictures and everything. There's, like, stuff from, like, Charles Manson and yep. just, like, oh, my God, there's so much interesting true crime stuff there. And I passed through there and I didn't go. You have no one to blame but yourself. One day I'll go um so there are actually i mean as you can imagine a ton of references to bundy in pop culture and everything from like music and movies and books and everything so i'll put a whole list of like different songs but there are um references to him in in uh different songs like um the band Macabre has a mm-hmm. song called the Ted Bundy song. Huh. And Mr. Morbid and Melf, it looks like, Maybe. has a song I called Ted Bundy. And um, all one word, all us on drugs, that's the band, has a song Good. called Ted, What's the Porn Like in Heaven? <gasps> <laughs> yeah. As if he went there. Jane's uh, Addiction has a song called Ted, Just Admit It. Um, there's a song called Stay Wide Awake by Eminem I believe that just references uh, Ted Bundy and Church of Misery has a song called I Motherfucker in parentheses Ted Bundy (laughs) (laughs) and even uh, Tyler the Creator in the song uh, Blow he said I wrote Blow when I was reading about different people in American history one of the people happened to be Ted Bundy and I wrote a song from his point of view huh right very interesting yeah i didn't know that um and like uh there's just like quick one line references to him in some songs like uh little kim has a song called black friday and one of the lines is about to kill all you bitches like ted bundy oh good yeah (laughs) of course very wholesome so wholesome and just, like, I have, like, an entire page of, like, lists of books. Obviously, The Stranger Beside Me by Anne Rule is, like, the number one yeah. Ted Bundy book that you could read. It's so it's good. Like I read it. Every, love it.
1: It's like in every
0: true crime fanatics starter pack. Yeah. Well, uh, Stephen Mashaud, the guy that um, sat in a, b- a bunch of interviews with him, he wrote two books, one called Ted Bundy Conversations with a Killer, and the only living witness the true story of serial sex killer ted bundy so i haven't read those but i'm sure they're fantastic i'm sure they're lovely he actually yeah he actually knew exactly him well i mean Um, so did Anne rule but for some oh and newer yes well he yeah she knew him before all of the allegations came out yeah yeah exactly she knew him as a friend like steven Mashad knew him as right. the killer yes. and was there for the interviews and stuff um what a dingus robert keppel who was also one of the detectives on the case he wrote the river man ted bundy and i hunt for the green river killer which is like what we said um about the green river killer interviews when ted said like he knew everything yeah. about it whatever um there's also a uh, fiction novel by Greg Olson called *The Fear Collector*. I think that's like a, like a Ted Bundy-esque um, killer in that book. Huh. I'll have to check it out. I know, right? I'm gonna put it on. um The Goodreads. Yes, I'll put it on our Goodreads. I Woo-hoo. think I have a list already starting. Also, if you want to hear more Ted Bundy shit. Um, My Favorite Murder, episode 61, is Ted Bundy. Yep. And last podcast on the left uh, did a two-parter like us. Mm -hmm. And it was episodes 99 and 100. Aw. Also, a million different movies. Um, The Killing in America from 1981. The Deliberate Stranger from 1986, which got a 71% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. And Mark Harmon plays Ted Bundy. Oh,
1: I like from that. NCIS, I know who he is. yeah. Is he from NCIS? Yeah. yeah. He's also Angie Harmon's brother. Oh, that makes sense. From Isles. Yeah, I know the last yeah. name Harmon kind of gives it away, but I love her too. Interesting. But, oh, I can see. Him yeah, as but Ted uh, Bundy. a young
0: Mark Harmon played Ted Bundy. Ooh, in I can see 19, that. What did I say? Nineteen eighty-six. I think you said eighty-six. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and then um, I'm not good the stranger beside me was made into a movie in two thousand three. Right. I don't know how well that did.
1: I, I don't think it did fantastic. <laughs>
0: not as good as the book.
1: Yes, yes. Well, I mean, but I mean, like, come on. When is the book ever not as good as the movie?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um. There was a two thousand two movie called Ted Bundy that didn't do great. That got a 41% um, on Rotten Tomatoes. And who played Bundy in that one? Let's see. I don't know. Michael Riley Burke. Nope, never oh, heard no of him. No fucking clue. <laughs> uh Sorry. And then, of course, um, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. Uh, dumb name. But, yes. But uh, that's the Zac Efron Bundy movie that's coming out
1: and we were discussing this before we started recording this because haley was trying to f- like seal the name of it like get it down pat and i'm sitting there and i'm and we're both just like trying to figure it out and it's like we're throwing out extremely loud and incredibly close and incredibly vile and yeah right we're <laughs> we're, we're just uh, all, i'm very all interested of the movies.
0: Yeah, I'm very interested in this one. Also, uh, Lily Collins plays Elizabeth Klopfer. And I oh my God, Lily I love Collins. Lily Collins yeah. so much. Yeah, uh, John She's Malkovich is Edward Coart. Edward Coart? I don't know who that is. I love that man. John Malkovich. Oh,
1: I love yeah. him. Like, I'm not sure. I don't know how I feel about Zach Efron playing Bundy.
0: Well, this is also a note that I had um, in my show notes. Uh, what is the cultural influence of having a teen heartthrob play a killer like yeah. this guy was in high school musical and now he's playing Ted Bundy like and he's not what the first is, Ross Lynch who was like yeah, the next yeah, yeah. generation's
1: like teen Disney heartthrob he went on to play Jeffrey
0: Dahmer which if you haven't seen it I'm gonna oh, talk about it we're, gonna, Dahmer. we're obviously gonna do a Dahmer Woof. episode but um it's it's so good yeah
1: and like, like just
0: a little a little spoiler alert. The uh house that they film the movie at, that was actually Dahmer's childhood home. No
1: way. Yes, it was. <gasps> yes, it was. Oh, that's because I, I looked love it up because it they I, do
0: that. I had seen, like, obviously, like doing this podcast and doing just my own true crime research. I had seen pictures of Dahmer's house um, like just in research, and then I was watching the movie. I was like, that is. Insanely close to what his house actually looked like. That's yeah, crazy I how they got I it was to like, look like that. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, that's his fucking house. That's nuts." But anyway, this that's isn't awesome. a Dahmer episode. Um, no, not not this time. someday. But yeah, I'm I'm interested to see like, are is the theater going to be filled with um, Zach Efron fans? Is it going to be filled with true crime fans? Like, oh, I think it's going to be both. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, so if you don't know details on this movie uh it was unveiled at the 2017 Cannes film festival is it can or con Cannes. con the con okay. Film festival <laughs> i'm just saying whatever um so it's going to be, what's it called in october of 2017 lily collins was cast um let's see January 2018, that's when John Malkovich was cast, and production began January 18th, 2018. So there's no info right now about when it's coming out, at least that I can see. Oh my god, Haley Joel Osment's in it too.
1: Aw, good for him. I'm glad that he's making a comeback.
0: Right? Yeah. Like, I mean... Isn't this his first horror movie since Sixth Sense? I don't think so. No,
1: no. I think he's done other things. Like he's done horror other horror movies. movies since then? Yeah, I don't know, I I, don't know his whole. I, I feel like there was one that was relatively recent. I'm gonna look it up, but um, where he was like a teacher in a high school. There were two. There was one where he was a teacher in a high school where it was like a, a comedy. But then I feel like there was a second one where he like. Again, he was a teacher in a high school, and it was like zombies or something. I'm trying to find it.
0: I feel like I know that. He was on a series called called.
1: Teachers. (laughs) Okay, that makes sense. Um, He was also in, I don't know if this, I guess it counts as horror, a movie called Clara's Ghost, which came out this past year, and it's a horror comedy, or something like that. I don't know, it's got a ghost. He was in one last year called Sleepwalker, which is classified as a thriller, according to IMDb. All right. He was in a children's show called Car Go, and it looks like the cast of Cars, but knockoffs. That's pretty scary in and of itself. <laughs> and yeah, he's just, I'm looking at it, he's, he's just done a lot of cool stuff. Like, Well, that's good. You go. Good for Hilly Joel Hosman. The movie I was thinking of was Sex Ed. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Which isn't a horror movie. Oh, that was the scary movie that he was in. He was in Tusk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was the best friend in Tusk. Got it. All right. If you've ever seen Tusk, I pity you. If you haven't seen Tusk, watch it with the lights on and the shades open and with a friend who can hold you. I don't think it's that bad. I I did not like it. It it was... mm. Well, you're afraid of everything. I'm afraid of everything, yes. As you guys heard, I'm afraid of everything.
0: Well, um, on a lighter note, which is a little weird, but um, like we talked about, um, like Ed Gein merch, I guess you could call it. There's a ton of Ted Bundy merch. There's some great shirts with that picture that I love of him in court with the screaming saying, tell the jury they were wrong. That's on a shirt um you can get ted bundy artwork you can get like little collectibles you can get pins and mugs it's fucking nuts that's that's a lot it's a little that's, weird that's- but also i need it <laughs> also on um there's original bundy collectibles on a sit- a website called supernaught n-a-u-g-h-t and it's like actual signed court documents and letters and stuff but they're like in the hundreds of dollars like they're actual documents which is fucking crazy yeah
1: that's pretty and what i'm
0: also going to put on the website if i can get it on there i'll probably just post a link to it somebody um a reddit user it's underscore porsche dash ah it's porsche porsche um uh I think they're it's deleted Ellen's, their account now. It's Ellen's wife. <laughs> exactly. I think the the uh, like the original account um is deleted, but um they made a map and timeline, like a Google map and timeline of um all the crimes and it is so detailed and so amazing. And I'm going to put it on the website because Yes, please. it's it's just incredible
1: no that would be really cool thank you like i'm so, saying yeah. that i'm saying this like because i haven't seen it so i'm sitting there and i'm like i, I like our I listeners Ooh,
0: i want to see yes <laughs> uh yeah but that's it like i mean music and books and movies and i mean i didn't even get into documentaries there's documentaries there was something on oxygen relatively recently that talked about it Um, martinis and murder did a podcast episode about it like the level of bundy information that you can find is just like insanity
1: i just i want to know more i want to know it all
0: I know. It's it's just so interesting.
1: Yeah. He's so freaking crazy. Yeah. It's just it's one of those ones because it's truly one of those cases where it's like all of these people, it was like the last like if you picture someone in your life where it's like they're the last person that could ever murder somebody. And then you find
0: out that not only have they, but like
1: Yeah, they're Anne very was good good at like a at former
0: it. Yeah, Anne Rule was like a former cop and like a true crime writer. And she was like, oh, if I was a couple years younger, if my daughter was a couple years older, like... Exactly. She had no clue. Nope. Even when she
1: called, was and she was like, hey, I know this isn't it, but I feel like I need to say something. She yeah, fits like, your- all, the people, yeah.
0: all the people that, like, turned him in were like, this is crazy, but, like, this guy's name is Ted. He drives the car that's being described. Like, he was in these places on this day, like... <laughs> there's stuff, there's, like, women's clothing in his yeah, possession. But it's not him. He's like, yeah, right? But it's not him. He has, like, a violent past. There's
1: there's a severed head in his girlfriend's fireplace. But, again, it's not him. It's not
0: him. <laughs> yeah, I think Bundy has to be, like, a two-parter because there's, like, there's so much information. <laughs> it just... But yeah. I'm glad we got to talk about it. So, you can go to the website and find out, like, all the links that we we're talking about. All the reading lists and the playlists and everything. So, it's crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. And you can rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. That'd be great. That would be
1: super cool. Please, tell us what you think. Like
0: if You should leave some... a review because we've had a lot of people rating and we love all the ratings we've been getting. But, like... Hello, Tell us, humble brag. Talk, talk Talk to us. Talk to us.
1: <laughs> yeah, talk to us. Tell us how you're feeling. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like.
0: If you're intimidated to write a, a formal review on iTunes, you can always just like tweet us or email us, too. Yeah. If yeah, you've got no. suggestions for shit, we uh, Absolutely. always we answer great... our Facebook messages. Yeah. So you can Facebook message us. We have uh, people on f- uh, Facebook Messenger that we regularly talk to you so shout out to autumn
1: yeah hello hey, autumn. autumn and her husband and her poodles because yes few people well i guess no anybody who listens knows i grew up with a pet poodle, he was mine and mine alone, and his name was Pierre because I got him when I was seven, and I loved him very much, Real and I original. love him to this day. Um, honestly, no, Pierre fucking lucked out because I wanted to name him Georgette, and at the last possible minute, I decided that I should give you him found a out boy's he was name. A boy? No, I knew he was a boy, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, I, I mean, maybe it was very progressive in my small stature age thing that I was like I mean you could have called them George. gender norms no I wanted Georgette because I wanted to name him after the poodle in Oliver and Company Oliver yes yeah. yes there there, uh, there was a plan there there was a plan there
0: you know Billy Joel was the voice of Dodger
1: I do and I was actually just thinking about Billy nuts? Joel last night because he he also wrote the songs for Oliver and Company but you know what else he wrote why should I worry is a fucking bop
0: all of it all right f- <laughs> yeah. Help me all right we're, we're getting we get way the off Ritz. the rail hey! here <laughs> we can we can talk about this off mic but yes but that was the one but thing yeah. that was
1: the one fun fact that i did want to share uptown girl he wrote about Christy brinkley that's all
0: uh who played jerry's wife in parks and rec yes the same person
1: yes and who yeah. was his real life wife for like a while
0: she hot she's smoking like she's anyway like she's 60 started, years old and oh. we started with ted bundy escaping from florida we talk we end with talking about how hot christy brinkley is anyway I and mean, she's fucking hot um yeah go to the website all the links are there and we will see you on tuesday see you next tuesday see you next tuesday Bye. bye